welcome to Hairstylist Rising podcast. Together, we are going to dive deep into mindset, marketing, and finding fulfillment in this beautiful industry. I'm your host, Jody Brown, and I am a hairstylist veteran turned online entrepreneur and mindful marketing mentor just for beauty pros. No topic is off limits. We are going to pull back the curtain and discover the success secrets of hairstylists that are rising. Hi, and welcome to the Hairstylist Rising podcast. I am joined today by my guest, Sean Dolan, who is a salon owner and aspiring educator based in South Africa. We connected on Instagram, and I was so drawn into your profile by obviously the stunning hair you do and the imagery on your page. And then I just love your positive vibes. So thank you so much for being on the show today, Sean. Hey, Jody. So good to be on. And thank you for the kind words. I'm all about those positive vibes. (laughs) So I would love to hear a little bit more about you and what it is that you do. So I've been in the industry about 14 or 15 years. So I mean, I started hairdressing when I was 19 and went straight into being an apprentice, so washing hair, holding foils. South Africa, as an apprentice, you tend to hold foils opposed to passing foils. I don't know what it's like over there. From there, I went on to apprentice, well, to work in a couple of salons. But six or seven years ago is when I really started to peak. It's when I went independent. I started as a renter chair. And that's where I was introduced to being my own boss, having to motivate myself and running my own schedule. I was a renter chair for about two years. And then went on to I went into a business partnership with one of my best friends from from Technicon from hair school. We call it Technicon. You guys call it beauty school? Yeah, beauty school, cosmetology school, depends where you're at. Yeah, we call it tech or Technicon. But it's 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 the same thing. So when did you realize that you wanted to be a hairstylist? What was the what was the thing that made you go into the industry? So I was I went to an old boys school and I, I remember being sent for a haircut at the age of fifteen and I was sitting in their chair and the lady was cutting my hair and we were having so much fun laughing and that and I actually asked the lady if this was her real job and she was like, What do you mean is this my real job? <laughs> What else would I be doing? I was like, well, is hairdressing a real job? Do, do you get paid for this? So it's <laughs> then that that sparked the interest in my life. And I actually went home and spoke to my mom and said, am I allowed to be a hairdresser? Thinking that I had to either be an accountant or some form of business side of things. That's how my family always was brought up. And my mom said, yes, you, you're allowed to be whatever you want. But are you sure you want to be a hairdresser? <laughs> so I said, yes, I'm sure. So, I mean, we finished, I finished school at the age of 18 and they asked, my parents asked me again, what do you want to be? And I said, I, I want to be a hairdresser. And then now we're 14, 15 years into it. And I'm actually more in love with hairdressing now than I ever was in the beginning. I think that the more you learn about the industry and the more you learn to trust yourself, the the better it is to be a stylist. Absolutely. The more knowledge you get, the more courses you go on, the more confident you feel. And the more confident you feel, the better you feel behind that chair. I'm all for confidence. So as soon as I do courses every year, and sometimes I'll repeat a course just so that I can refresh certain techniques 
or anything that I may have forgotten. Yeah, I think that for when it comes to education, there's something to be learned in every class. Even if you've taken it before, sometimes you'll pick up something new from it. Or like you said, sometimes it's just that reinforcement of skills that you already had. So what is your favorite class you've ever taken? So I went on a class... It was a balayage class. It, I think it was maybe five years ago. And I think that was like the turning point to my entire career. I had actually only gone onto the class because one of my clients had told me that this girl had an amazing Instagram and I didn't actually care about what she was teaching. I actually just wanted to ask her about how she grew her Instagram, which paid off purely on the fact that I learned how to balayage and now it's my absolute go-to with every client. Well, most of my clients, I love balayages and coppers, but that was literally the turning point of my career or the upward trajectory point of it. The girl that taught me though, she's actually one of the stylists I look up to the most in South Africa. She's probably one of our most internationally recognized uh, stylists. She's actually a Goldwell ambassador or one of the they're, they they have like an international art team and she's part of it. And they, I mean, they, they've got people from all around the world. You know, it's so interesting to hear about how the hair industry works in different parts of the world. I'm originally from the UK and I now live in Canada. So getting to see those two different aspects, it's even more interesting learning about different parts of the world. And it sounds though, like all in all, it's pretty similar. Absolutely. Well, I think it's pretty similar. I think the one thing we're blessed with in South Africa is loads of assistance. I think, well, I say blessed, but it's it's made a lot of hair, South African hairdressers quite lazy. But besides that point, I find that South Africans are looking to the States or looking to the UK stylists as to what we should be doing or how we're growing. But because of technology, I think we're closing that gap where we're Years before, you guys used to be light years ahead of us, whereas now we can learn so much from Instagram, from YouTube. It's amazing what we've got access to these days. Yeah, the world is definitely getting smaller thanks to technology. And uh, it's easier than ever to access information, I think. So do you work with an assistant now? I do work with an assistant. After COVID lockdown, I've become a lot more independent. My assistant now works a lot more by herself, if that makes any sense. She tends to make commission on whatever clients she does. How many stylists work in your salon? I'm quite a small salon. There's only two of us stylists and we've got two assistants. So it's literally one stylist, one assistant each. And, and we're very lucky. It's it's a 60 square meter shop and it's nice and spacious with the two of us. Quite like it. Your space looks gorgeous. You have a lot of really great lighting in there. I think that being in a smaller space right now, especially with the way the world is changing, it's definitely an advantage at the moment because we're able to control our atmosphere a lot more. Absolutely. I used to always aspire to work in a big salon or own a big salon. This is actually my second salon. My previous salon I owned with a business partner was twice the size. And I find that hairdressing these days is actually... Well, I don't know what it's like over, well, in the States, but it seems that in South Africa, all our hair salons used to be in shopping centers. And it seems that we're moving away from that into homes and into high streets. Yeah, it was definitely a, a while where those big super salons were the thing that everyone aspired to. And we're seeing a lot of salon suites, which are essentially just like 
a, a building full of mini salons with uh, one or two stylists working in each one. So I definitely think that there's more of a push towards becoming independent. In South Africa, we've always been big salons that are with stylists working for one owner on a commission basis, whereas now, since that introduction of Salon Suisse, which is very new to South Africa, you guys are way ahead with that. But it does allow stylists to earn a lot more money for the same amount of work. I think it's really nice because it takes a lot of the barriers away from business ownership. So, I mean, it used to be you needed to invest a huge amount of money in order to open your own business, whereas now a lot of the barriers are being taken away. So it's easier than ever for stylists to follow their dreams and create their own career path, which I think is so exciting. Absolutely. So it's allowing freedom. It's allowing stylists to create their own schedules. It's also allowing stylists if they want to only work three or four days a week, they can do that. And then if they want to educate for two or three days of those weeks, they can do that too. I'm loving the way that hairdressing is going. I think it's very exciting. My only worry about salon suites or say renter chairs or going independent is making sure that hairstylists are going on education. We've got to keep the standard high. Yes, I th I couldn't agree more. I think it's definitely one of those things that when you when you commit to going independent, you have to also commit to being your own motivator because you're not going to have a boss telling you that you need to take more education. So I think it's very important to be self-motivated when you do go independent. Absolutely. But I think there's so many means to do that. So just like this, where we've um, connected via Instagram and you're on the other side of the world, but I can get motivation from someone that's on the other side of the world that. I don't know how to explain it. We've got so much at our fingertips. And as an independent stylist, you can actually, once you're on your own, I'm sure you actually want to go on more education. Often when you've got a boss, you maybe not be, may not be as motivated or feel like you're forced to go on education. But when it's for yourself and it makes you make more money, then you have all the motivation in the world. Absolutely. And I think as an independent stylist too, I know this was the case for me. When I went independent, I really craved that community and like-minded people to learn from. And I love that. I absolutely love it is that I can talk to people on a level. I hated having a boss. I don't take instruction very well. <laughs> me too. I remember thinking in my early 20s, like, why is it so hard for me to be told what to do? And I remember thinking, like, is there something wrong with me? Like, why can't I just take instruction? No one else seems to care. And now, of course, I know that it's because I'm definitely not meant to work for other people. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I also wasn't a problem employee, but I hated being dictated to how long I needed for a cut and a blow wave. And Often I'd be given half an hour when I actually enjoy at least a whole hour to do a cut and a blow wave. And I think, I think hairdressing is very subjective. Some stylists want to work really quick and some actually want to spend a whole lot of time with less clients. And that's what I love about it, that it's yeah, so individualized. Absolutely. Well, there's a client for every stylist too, right? Because some clients do value efficiency. They want to get in and out. But a lot of clients, and my clients in particular, really enjoy the experience. So if you are, you know, rushing them in and out, you're doing them a disservice and they're not getting 
the full enjoyment of their experience. There's a client for every kind of stylist. Absolutely. I've realized that the clients that want to come in and out are not for me. I want someone who's happy to take three to four hours out of their day and let me do a perfect job or as cl- an excellent job. Yeah. Perfection is impossible. And I think that's the thing is that it's it's learning who your ideal client is and how to connect with them. I think that's where the magic starts to happen in in a career for sure. So I know you're really passionate about helping hairstylists realize their own worth. Can we talk about that a little bit more? Absolutely. So, I mean, I think it's a newfound passion of mine. I always say to my friends, so I'm friends with so many hairdressers, but through connecting with them on Instagram, that are the most amazing stylists. But then when I get to talk to them in the background, there's a lot of insecurity. And I'm trying to to help them realize their worth and how amazing they are. And I find often it's because they're working for someone and they they don't understand the maths behind getting paid properly. And I feel like any stylist who's paid properly will figure out their own worth or how much they're really worth. That's why I'm so excited about these independent independent stylists, these stylists going on rented chairs or being salon brand associates. I prefer that word because rent-a-chair may have got a bad rep in the past. But I find there's a lot of, I'm trying to think of the word, insecurity. Besides the word insecurity, it's people lack so like much confidence. imposter syndrome almost? Yes, imposter syndrome, exactly that. Mm-hmm. So I have to tell you, I battled with that myself, but it's it's due to reading books or motivational books that have helped me realize that I am worthy or doing words of affirmation, whatever you need to make you realize that you are so needed, that all your education, all your time spent perfecting your craft is worth charging for. I always say that I'm the biggest hype person. So I had a friend the other day who contacted me and said there was another stylist in my in my city and she was like, she's not accepting clients any new clients because she's booked up until April or, Mo- April or May. And she says, how is that? This is January and I'm dead. I said, well, the stylist has spent a lot of time perfecting her Instagram and her marketing's working well for her. And the stylist said to me, mine sucks, as in hers sucks. And all I wrote back was yes. And it was a hard truth for her to swallow. But she was like, oh, I guess you're right. I need to work on it. I said, Absolutely. I'll be your biggest cheerleader, but you need to start creating content. You can't post once every four months. No one's going to be following your work. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I honestly think that that Instagram and social media marketing on the whole has given stylists an immense amount of power. And it's all about how you frame your mindset around it. So I know there's a lot of people who think it's really overwhelming and are almost resentful that it's something that's a requirement of our industry now. But I would challenge stylists to kind of reframe that and think about all the opportunity that lies in being able to be in charge of your own marketing now. That's something that wasn't available when I got into the industry. We were so reliant on our salon owners to help market us because there was no real other way. So the ability to really shape our own careers and create our own branding and marketing is is such a game changer. 
it's endless in possibilities. <laughs> the best part is that you can advertise, I say advertise, or use social media to get the client you like to do in your in your chair. If you love to only cut bobs, if you like doing balayages and you only post balayages, that's what you'll end up with in your chair. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's such a big change too, right? Like this has not been something that has, you know, existed for that long. Like I know I came back off maternity leave about six years ago and I only started really learning how to market myself. And in that five or six years, I've been able to rebuild a clientele completely, go independent, and then pivot entirely into education. And it's all because I learned how to market myself and communicate with my ideal clients. The word marketing, I think, sometimes gets a bad rap because people think it's inauthentic or, you know, fake. And that's so far from the truth. I think it's so important to be authentic and just learn how to communicate what it is that makes you special. Absolutely. I think if you're marketing your strengths, it's it's the most authentic you can be. It's it's the one thing that you can really help people with. I can't imagine stepping away from the chair, but I kind of think that I may be in the position where you were six years ago. The one thing that I wish I'd done with, with when, I, when you say marketing, it came into my mind earlier was the one thing about Instagram is that I wish I'd learned how to use it properly earlier. But a lot of my friends actually don't have Instagram mm-hmm. or they do, but they're not using it because they're scared about putting out content. And then what I've done with a couple of them is gone to the real beginning of my Instagram and shown them, look at the crap I was putting out. Sorry, excuse my language. Putting out subpar content. <laughs> but I said to them, the, the only way to get good at something is to suck at something first. And if you're in charge totally. of, of getting clients in your chair... Uh, Instagram is your shop window and you have thousands of people going past your shop window. How amazing or how lucky are you? Like hairdressers of of the past or hairdressers that pre-social media to say they want thousands of of the right client, of the correct client going past their shop window would have died for that, you know? Oh, I totally agree. Have you ever heard the phrase, "If if your first attempt is perfect, you waited too long to start? I think it really goes back to that, like, you know, being too scared to post on Instagram because it might not be perfect right away. I kept all of my first posts. They were not great, let me tell you, but they still got me clients. (laughs) Absolutely. So my favorite acronym for fail is first attempt in learning. And you've got to fail. You've got to fail fast. You've got to fail forward. And my other favorite saying is that failure is not the opposite of success. It's part of success. And I don't think you can fail at Instagram. Yes. I think you can only learn. I completely agree. Yeah. I want other hairdressers to learn, to to not worry about failing. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that's such a great point. So I wanted to chat a little bit about things that you didn't think were possible at the beginning of your career that you have now accomplished. And the one that really stuck out at me that I absolutely love is being able to create boundaries and not overlook yourself. So when I first went independent, I will fully admit I was horrendous with boundaries. I would add extra days. I would do anything because of that scarcity mindset and thinking like I can't turn away the business, which 
I now know, of course, does us a disservice and leads to burnout. But I'm curious, how did you learn to create boundaries for yourself? And what was really the turning point in that in your business when you started creating boundaries? So there's a couple of things that a couple of things, a couple of ways I learned to implement boundaries. I had an amazing um, rep from Joico who always used to tell me that running two columns was making me produce hair that wasn't to the, the standard that I could create it. And for many years, I actually didn't listen to him, which in turn, by running two columns, I often ended up extremely tired, resenting my job. And it's purely that tiredness that forced me to start actually thinking about, well, how can I make this better? And from Instagram, following Dawn Bradley, she often talks about setting boundaries. And I thought, what's the worst that could happen if I set these boundaries and it doesn't work? Is I can easily go back to my old ways. But I didn't want to go back to my old ways. And up until... Eight months ago, I didn't really have boundaries. I was taking WhatsApps late at night or DMs instead of keeping my work hours. And after COVID, I had like a three-month lockdown where I could really analyze my business. And when I came back, because of COVID, I didn't want to have two clients in right next to each other. So I book a client every hour um, now. And I also run one column. But by setting boundaries... My clients actually respect me a lot more and they value me a lot more. When there's no shows, I the, the biggest thing I did the other day was I actually charged the lady for her full service because she wanted a rebook. And I said, not a problem. If you pay for today and you pay a 50% deposit till your next appointment, you're more than welcome to book. But unfortunately, I've lost time and money because of a newest show. That is such a great example. There's a difference between having boundaries and then actually enforcing boundaries. And I think that's where most stylists get a little lost. Was that the first time you've ever had to charge someone for the full price for a no-show? So it's the first time I've ever done it. Before, I would just say, sure, not a problem. Let me rebook you. But now I've actually kind of got a list of people that come late. And it's also about communication. So if someone pitches up late, I explain to them that maybe I won't be able to do a full head of highlights for them. And that because they're late, I, I can only do a half a head because it's going to run my entire day off. As in it's going to set me off the entire day. Yeah. And I don't think that's fair on my next client that comes in who's had her appointment for the, sitting there for the last six weeks. And she pushes up and I'm half an hour late. But it, it it's literally communication. Yeah. If you communicate your boundaries, people won't overstep them. And if they do overstep them, then you need to take action. So me charging that lady was the first time I had done it. And I thought to myself, I actually didn't want to book her again. But if what, what could I lose by actually saying, well, if you want to book, again, you need to pay for today and 50% to your next appointment. And if she had said no... I'd already, I was already in the mindset where I was like, well, I actually don't mind losing her as a client because she doesn't respect my time. I think that's what it comes down to with boundaries is accepting that not every client is going to be your ideal client. And it becomes a little bit less scary to start enforcing those boundaries when you accept that as a fact. So one of my favorite quotes about this is the only people who are going to have an issue when you start 
enforcing your boundaries is the people that benefited from you having none. And the way I hear that is that if people don't respect your time or respect what you provide, those are the only people that are going to have an issue when you start enforcing your policies. And is it really the end of the world to lose those people? Absolutely not. I feel like the clients that I've lost have made my career better. You know, the biggest mindset block that I tend to work through with my one-on-one coaching clients is, you know, we know that we need a change and that we can't sustain what we're doing, but there's always that fear of, you know, going through that change and losing everything. But you're absolutely right. It is about having that lack mindset versus that abundance mindset. There is enough clients out there for absolutely everyone. Unfortunately, this is where we lost connection. It doesn't always go to plan, but this interview was so valuable and there was just so many great insights shared that I had to publish it anyways. Um, If you want to find out more about Sean and everything he stands for and check out his gorgeous Instagram, it is at Sean Dolan. I will share the link in the show notes. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of Hairstylist Rising, and I will see you next week.